and welcome to Another Bite, where we rewatch the most innovative and intriguing pitches from Shark Tank. I'm Jory, and I'm joined by Ariel. Hey, everyone. And John. Hey, everybody. It's gonna be a good day when we've got an episode that's all about food. And this one is going to make you believe in magic. Two on the nose, too cheesy. You'll hear all about it after a brief ad. There's no secret formula for better service throughout the customer journey, but there is the all new service hub from HubSpot. It makes it infinitely easier to scale customer support and increase retention. By bringing service and support together in one powerful platform, you can deliver the best experiences for your customers and your teams. Free up time for your reps to focus on complex issues with an AI-powered help desk. Proactively drive retention with customer health scores that help keep your business ahead and give your entire go-to-market team the data they need to operate as one unified, powerful front. Also, you can easily support, strengthen, and grow your customer base. Secrets out. HubSpot Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. So today in the tank, we have Rebel Cheese. And Rebel Cheese is brought to us by founders Fred and Kristen. And they are asking for $750,000 for 5% in their business, which is a whopping $15 million valuation. Whole lot of cheese for the cheese. <laughs> like Gouda. So Rebel Cheese is an artisan vegan cheese company. Essentially, the entire premise is they want to invite vegans back to the picnic again. And so they're using really age-old artisan techniques like cave aging to basically turn vegan cheese into a tasty delight that even cheese lovers can't help but devour. So, Jory, can oh, I just ask? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. Is it artisan or artesian? And does anybody know the difference between artisan and artesian? <gasps> Ooh, is it artisan? I always thought the artisan was the one who makes the art. Mm. Oh, well, then I will just say using artisanal techniques okay, like cave aging. <laughs> because I only deal with artisanal cheeses. We've got Artis it. You know. Oh, John surrounds okay. himself with artisanal person cheeses. I, I want artisanal everything. Why not? <laughs> yep. And so that tells me that you have big opinions on cheese. So, John, thinking about our uh, product today, what are you thinking? Do I have big opinions on cheese? You cheddar believe it. Oh, my gosh. The dad jokes. <laughs> great. Great start. I'm on parental leave. I'm telling good dad jokes right now. Thanks for noticing, yep, Ariel. 10 out of 10. I'm pumped. I love it. So thoughts on Rebel Cheese? I really like this concept. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of questions, I think, about the business itself and how they're going to go to market and how quickly they can scale and what they even need a shark for. And so I do have questions mm -hmm. around that, but purely from a product perspective, I love it. And I think one of the things that I would just start with is I think it has a great brand name. Mm -hmm. And I think that the brand logo is awesome. Mm -hmm. I think it just evokes a lot of things from our culture. It gives it an edge of like different, yeah. like being called Rebel Cheese. It reminded me of Star Wars a lot. I could really envision them like putting together a whole Star Wars thing. Partnership. Yeah. Like a long time ago <laughs> in a galaxy far, far away. And then it's cave aging. Boom. You know, cave, we've got yeah. branding. <laughs> yeah. So I thought the branding was just really strong. And this whole thing seems to rely on whether the cheese itself is actually good. Right. Because I think that's the challenge with vegan cheeses mm -hmm. is it's hard to get flavor and consistency. Sure. And somehow they've totally seemed to figure that out. You know, three out of the four sharks were like, this is unbelievable and tastes almost identical, especially the brie. And so to me, I think this is a growing market. I think this is a really good product. I think it's got a great brand name. And really, it's just about whether they are going to put the right focus on how to scale it and whether it would be a good investment or not. Such a good point on the consistency. Have you guys ever tried 
vegan cheese oh, yeah. before. It's Big always Daya the fan. consistency when you melt it or if you made like mm-hmm. pizza. I had a vegan roommate and that was like the biggest thing was when we would go grocery shopping is trying to find food that we both could enjoy during COVID times that like both of us could eat. True. So we'd make a lot of at-home pizzas and always the cheese would never melt or wouldn't taste as good when you substitute it with tofu. So I think this is mm-hmm. a very underserved need in this market right now. I think my only question that I kind of had going into them is that it seems like they have so many different channels of distribution. Mm-hmm. They have their e-commerce, the brick and mortar. So it's just very curious to understand where are their main areas of success going into this and where are they going to continue to focus on? Because e-commerce is very different than upholding like a brick and mortar type business. Yeah. I think focus is the right thing to dig in on Ariel. Yeah. To me, they have both too many products. Mm-hmm. It seems as though they have many, 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 many different cheeses. cheeses that they produce. And it sounds like they have like an absolute hit in the brie. Yes. I kind of wonder why they don't just go all in on the brie and become known as the most amazing vegan brie. Yeah. And they have too many channels, to your point. Right now, they're making most of their money, like 65% of their revenue comes from this store in Austin where they right. sell the storefront. And that's going to have to shrink to like almost zero if they really want to scale this business. And any time and effort that they personally spend, like building the storefront out, is probably going to come at a cost of growing their direct-to-consumer or wholesale channel. And so I would honestly, if I were them, consider shutting that store down, even though I'm sure it's amazing. I'm sure they have really loyal customers. Do a deal with Whole Foods in Austin, get it in Whole Mm. Foods, and just move on. Just go straight to retailer. Yeah. So there seems to be a couple of threads about scale that we're digging into. And I was curious, just like as a thought exercise, I know that there's definitely people that are looking for lactose-free alternatives to delightful cheese. Do you think that their focus, though, is too niche? If you were brought on as a marketer, are you trying to change dietary behaviors here? Because again, they seem to be like, oh, we're trying to invite vegans back to the picnics again. So are you trying to change the consumer habits of picnickers in general? Or should they really just level in on their persona, like just the vegans, in order to ultimately scale their business? Which way would you go? Yeah, I actually don't think they're too niche. I think there's a lot of folks that may have a lactose intolerance or that aren't particularly vegan or those dipping their toes in veganism from like vegetarianism. So I Mm -hmm. think even when you go into the shelf at the grocery store, there's always like a four to eight foot section of too good for you cheese or tofurkey. So I do believe that that general trend of eating towards Mm -hmm. plant-based foods doesn't actually pose as much of a risk of being too niche as it would have maybe like five or 10 years ago. Totally fair. So I think it's good time for the market based off of the trend. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the one thing that is very focused in their business is their like core target customer. Mm -hmm. There's estimates online, vegans make up somewhere around 1% of the US population or something like that. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at like just as a starting point of like 30 million target customers. Plus there's a halo effect because Mm -hmm. anyone who has a vegan roommate or a vegan friend and that group, that target customer tends to be a premium paying customer. You look at their market, veganism is a big market Mm -hmm. and is growing. It's a premium market and they're very focused on that premium market. And they're not trying to like build a mass market cheese. They're just trying to stay at a premium cheese. And so then it's really just a question of focus on their distribution channels Mm -hmm. and on the actual products they build for that really focused consumer. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And in terms of cost benefit, they really are doing a good job at maintaining the market value of what a brie would cost a normal consumer. We start to get a look at their numbers and they're retailing their brie for like 15 to I think $20 per wheel they mentioned when they're actually selling it directly to a consumer. And that's like on par with a normal brie. So it could also just 
just inherently change consumer behaviors because it's actually not that more expensive versus just a normal breed you'd buy at the store. Tends to last longer, mm-hmm. tends to be more shelf stable. That's like true. I actually buy a lot of vegan food mm-hmm. when it is comparable in consistency and quality. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. pesto is a good example. We eat a lot of pesto, we buy a lot of pre made pesto. We buy the vegan pesto, it lasts much longer than you know, pesto with cheese in it. Good pro tip shoppers. (laughs) Yeah. Get your pre-made pesto. Get your vegan pesto, folks. (laughs) Although I guess there's that TikTok trend that's like, don't buy your pre-made pesto. Yeah, there was a whole trend. What's wrong with that? Why am I off trend? Not John is concerned. Am I not artisanal? I thought I was being artisanal. You got to make your own these days, John. Holy moly. What is this? Why? Jarred pesto. How did I miss this? There's a whole trend last year, John. Keep with it. I'm always so far behind. (laughs) But speaking of last year, Rebels Cheese is doing really well. Last year's sales, $2.5 million, and they're projected to make $3.5 million this year. This was a most recent episode. They're about to break even. So to speak to your points, like the market is very there, and there's clearly a demand for this. We saw two sharks jump on board, and it was really interesting because Mark, I think, was like in it from the beginning. He's like, yeah, let's get this deal on the road. But Lori was like, wait, 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 I'm here. And we actually find that Lori works with bordery, Mm -hmm. you can get anything online these days. So she has like a charcuterie delivery business, which is projected to hit 30 million in retail sales this year, which is huge. So she wanted to partner with Rebel Cheese because they didn't have a vegan option. So again, speaking to like the demand, they're really in a good spot. And so we saw the dynamic duo team up again. Mark and Lori offered 750,000 for 10% in the business. So two sharks on board made the deal. I'll just say, I think that was an extremely fair offer to get. Yeah. I think it's generous from the sharks. Mm-hmm. I was going to say two sharks for 10%. Yeah. Like it was I mean, They did two and a half million dollars in revenue last year and through their wholesale channel, which is really where all their growth mm-hmm. is going to come in the future. They get 50% gross margins before any sales, marketing costs, you know, other expenses. So two and a half million top line, I can't imagine they're putting off much cash and to get a seven and a half million dollar valuation means the product must be very good. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a great offer for the founders to get. Especially with the Bordery Partnership too. Because I think, John, to your point, it does force them to focus on their top four to five SKUs and really lean into those and like push that forward and maybe focus less on having a wider range of SKU offerings and really focus on what they do right. Yeah. So we have the Bordery Partnership. I have to ask, if you were brought on today as a consultant for Rebel Cheese, how are you marketing this? How are you marketing vegan cheese? What's your angle? I bet you there are a lot of fun cooking videos, very short form mm. video content of what you can like replace everyday meals with like vegan cheese. Make with How it. do you create like a holiday version of your meals sure. for like the vegetarians and vegans in your family? It's a food product. It's kind of hard to market when you can't really taste it. Sure. Besides doing in-store sampling, which Mark mentioned, I'll go to the stores in Austin and pass out samples. So it's really one of those products where like the taste kind of has to speak for itself. Yeah, I think it depends how good the product really is. There's an old debate in Silicon Valley, which I think has now been proven wrong, Mm -hmm. that like the product should be good enough that you don't have to invest in marketing. You have to count big time on word of mouth, right? Like you have to trust that vegans will tell each other like, oh my God, you have to try this. And so I would put all of my dollars actually just into getting it in as many stores as possible. Mm -hmm. I think you just need to get that like word of mouth flywheel spinning Mm -hmm. and then just ensure that you're in all the stores nationwide that you need to be in so that you can reach that consumer. And I think that's all you need to do. A lot of their distribution is very like direct to consumer. Do you see any path of success that would be like more B2B? Because they did mention they have like their brick and mortar store, but that got me thinking about having this as an alternative that restaurants could turn to, or do you think that would be too risky? 
Maybe. I think in order to win in a restaurant, you really probably need to have really good brand recognition. Fair, okay. Because there has to be a premium for it. I think that restaurants look to buy in mm-hmm. bulk. There's no profit in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And so restaurants don't have a ton of money to throw around into like I purchasing, re- you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so there could be a path there, but I would let like that channel come to you as the Mm. founder versus like trying to put your energy into building that channel. Like eventually there'll be enough demand for it from restaurants that I think they could draw you into that channel and then you could serve it. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, ultimately Rebel Cheese walks away with a Shark Tank deal and hopefully will be featured on a vegan charcuterie board coming to, you know, little charcuterie near you. (laughs) So definitely successful. I love when the rebels win. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Star Wars reference. We're looking for that licensing deal in the future. Like the Greats, hosted by Ross Simmons, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Each episode hosts an in-depth analysis of some of the greatest creations and creators of all time, along with deep dive conversations on the creative process that went into building companies and brands. If you like learning about history or learning about the creative process, you'll like this podcast. Listen to Create Like the Greats wherever you get your podcasts.